Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. I really feel like I, I want to start off a little bit differently and, and almost kind of push myself out of where I usually would usually go. When I was preparing um, as a preacher, often you, you're wanting to come up with something fun and kind of like uh, my parents would say snazzy. You're like cool, a good way to put things and phrase things so that people remember it. And actually I had something and I pushed it completely to the side, but I want to bring it back in because I feel it prophetically for us this morning, that there is something that God wants to do in you and your lives and that it's gonna be challenging for you. I feel there's three areas, three words I wanna give you, three R's. There is reversing, reviving, and revving. There are some of you who here today who need a desperate reversal in your life. You have found yourself either by decisions you have made, by what it is you find yourself away from God and you need a complete 180 reversal to come back to him. It may be that you've never met God before. It may be that you don't know Jesus, but today is a day when you get to reverse 180 degrees and come back to him. Then there's reviving. When God wants to revive what is dormant, and I do not say dead deliberately, because the Holy Spirit doesn't die within us. But what is dormant within us, he wants to awaken and he wants you to open your mouth to be able to speak the words in spirit and in power over your life and other people's lives. He wants to do that this morning to revive your spirit. You know, there's one of the most powerful things that we have on this earth are volcanoes. This pressure that builds up underneath the the surface, the crust of the earth that springs up and wells up when things that are dormant explode onto the world and wreak havoc and destruction. Now, I'm not saying that you will be revived from dormancy so that you will reap destruction, but I am saying that actually when the Spirit comes, you will wreak havoc for the kingdom of God. I want to wreak havoc for the kingdom of God. I want people to look at my life and our life in this church and to say, there is a church that is turning the world upside down. That's what wreaking havoc means. And then the third one is that God would rev you. I, I'm, I'm not like a petrol head. I'm not massively into cars. But when I first moved to Dubai, uh, this is like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I decided, having owned a Ford Focus, okay, two-litre Ford Focus, which is not bad, it's all right, it's okay, then I decided that I would buy a 3.6-litre Dodge Charger. Amen. Preach it. And the streets in Dubai, they are smooth. So if you want to rev and get wheel spin and all that sort of stuff, then you can. And I loved it. I absolutely did. Then I met Tish and we got a Peugeot 206. <laughs> okay, so the revving is often short term, right? But there's some of you here that God wants to rev you. You know the spirit is alive inside of you. You know you want to follow God. You know you want to live by the spirit speaking to you every day. 
but he wants to put the pedal to the metal he wants to rev your engine pardon the phrase he wants to get you going he wants to waken you up and really accelerate you into what god has for you okay and i and i and i don't want and will not point fingers here because i don't like doing that but i feel for our youngs our teens students and our 20s early 20s god wants to rev you this morning he wants to get you going okay and it's not me that will do it it's the holy spirit that will do it amen does that sound good yes okay cool so we're talking about the holy spirit this morning we're talking about the time that shaped the history of the world more than any other event and i say that in full knowledge of the cross the cross changed the history of the world it took the say you're on a train tracks it took the train of the world from one track onto a completely different one but then the holy spirit is all the twists and the turns and the stoplights the go lights everything it has shaped the world more than anything else since that time it is a marker of what god wants to do within us and with the church now this is not us remembering something in the past that happened and it's great and we love it and it's inspiring and it's great it is us realizing that what happened then happens now and it's a promise that we can carry forward into the future it is something that will get us going that will get us through that will keep us going that's what we're remembering celebrating and looking forward to this morning and i'm excited to do that in full knowledge that in this church there will be people from many different backgrounds and teachings on the holy spirit what the holy spirit has done and what the holy spirit continues to do now and i, and I fully acknowledge that there will be different teaching around this so what i'm not going to be preaching on is the gifts of the holy spirit what i am going to be preaching on is what's written in scripture and it happened and that it continues to happen today okay yeah. guys up for that yeah. okay good all right we're up for that so there's this um there's this thing on youtube which um i find um, incredibly boring but some people absolutely love it's called unboxing you guys know what unboxing is <laughs> the, the, the the social media expert in our midst would know what unboxing is okay it doesn't it doesn't do it for me unboxing is basically where someone will order something on amazon or some other thing and they'll get a box and they will bring it to their living room whatever it is they'll set up their cameras and unboxing is literally where they unbox what they've bought okay so they will take the wrapping off it they will um, they will carefully take the lid off they will unfold all the neat packaging and everything and it's become a really big thing it's coming a really big thing for brands to be able to get their product out there and people will literally make millions of pounds or dollars just unboxing things people send them stuff for free they unbox it and then ka-ching they get cash in the bank I mean that's quite a cool job right just unbox something but it just doesn't get me going what we face here in scripture is the unboxing of the holy spirit unboxing of the presence of god it is where when jesus was on the cross and he died 
The veil was torn. This is a veil that covered the holies of holies. It was torn. It was pulled back and the spirit of God was released. And here we see not just that it was released, but the packaging that it came in for us and that we can now take forward and look at how do we apply this to ourselves and apply this to the church. Amen. Amen. All right. So when we, when we think about Pentecost and we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about what God has done in this time, it's so important to remember what he has spoken and what he has promised because the first part of looking at this that Rebecca read for us was that there was a promise that God had spoken something, Jesus had spoken something to the disciples and that he wanted to fulfill. It says in, uh, it says in, I'll tell you exactly where it says it, John 14, 16 to 17, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. In John 15, 26, it says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And the most amazing one, John 16, 7 says, Never, nevertheless, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Amen. This is, let's get this in our minds, this is the, the person that was there at the creation of the world, the person who has lived 32, 33 odd years on the on the earth that has completely blown open what people thought about God and what God would do. He is the son of God walking, performing miracles wherever he goes, releasing truth, changing lives, breaking people out of bondage, doing all of that. But still he says, it's better for you if I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And we just, how does that compute? How is it better for the Son of God, the miracle worker, to go, but the Holy Spirit to come? That should have in our minds the packaging of what the Holy Spirit comes in, that it's there to break down barriers and break down our thinking of who it is. You must forgive me this morning because I just, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I feel like a bit empty. I feel like an empty vessel, if that helps in any sort of way to describe this right now. I feel like God wants to speak to us this morning and I'm, and I'm trying to listen as best as I can to hear what he wants to say to us and to you. I feel like there's something of the promise that God spoke, that Jesus spoke over the disciples for us. When, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, before he said specifically early in Acts, he said, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when he comes to them and speaks to them first time and we hear this encounter, we hear that if we can have the words back up again, Manuel, that would be really good. He speaks, speaks to them this in the encounter and he says to them, they say, is this now the time that you will restore the, the people of Israel? And he says, no, this is not the time. It's not for you to know the times and seasons. It's actually for you 
to be filled with power by the Spirit, to be released to speak in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what he's asking them to do. He's asking them to wait. What I love about this is that he deals with us very similar, similarly, similarly, sim similarly, similarly, whatever it is. He speaks to us now in a very similar way to how he spoke to the disciples then. And the disciples then, this is the time when the church was just about to take off. This is the time when the spirit was going to come in power. And we know it now in, in hindsight that, that the gospel of God was going to break forth. But he deals with them in very similar ways. How often have you said to God, Lord, show me, show me where you want me to go. Show me the end result. Show me the destination that I'm heading to. Show me this. The disciples are asking exactly the same question. They're asking, Lord, would you show us when the kingdom of God is going to be brought? Would you show us when we're going to, it's going to be restored? Israel is going to be restored. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I will do this. He says, you will be baptized by the Spirit in power with fire so that you will be my witnesses. He doesn't show them the end destination. He shows them the journey to get there. And for us now, I'm like, I was praying like earlier this year, and Tish and I were both praying. I was praying earlier this year, and, um, and I was like, Lord, show us where to go. Show us what to do. And do you know what his answer to prayer was? He was like, go to work, work hard, and do your job. I was like, what? That was his answer. Because he's not always about revealing the end destination, he's about revealing the path to help us to get there, to ask us to be faithful today and tomorrow and the next week, so that he would take us to that place. And here with the disciples, he's saying exactly the same thing. I'm gonna fill you, I'm gonna empower you. And actually, when you work out the Holy Spirit and you see the people of God start to come together after Pentecost, you see not just Israel is restored, but the whole people of God are restored back to him. So he wants to show us the steps rather than the full thing. Pentecost was significant in so many ways. The purpose of Pentecost was really interesting. I'm, I'm not gonna go full history lesson here, okay? But there are some things that are really important for us to understand when we talk about Pentecost. There's two kind of meanings in ancient Israel among the Jewish believers. The first is kind of the traditional, okay? And traditions change. Many of us know that traditions change over time. But the first was the, was the traditional. The Pentecost was actually called Shavuot, which is the Hebrew version of it. Shavuot was the Feast of Weeks. And when you come to the Feast of Weeks, the purpose of that was to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest coming in. The first fruits of the harvest come in and you bring, in Leviticus 23, the Israelites would bring the first fruits to the high priest and the high priest would present them before God. And it was basically their way of saying, thank you for bringing us to this place, out of Egypt, into a place of fruitfulness, into a place where they could have abundance. That was what the Feast of Weeks was. The second purpose around Jesus' time was actually so that they could celebrate the giving of the law. 
They could celebrate that actually God gave them the law at Mount Sinai. Okay, for those of you who, who are not familiar with this, basically uh, the Lord God said, you guys are disobedient. My people Israel, you're disobedient. You're turning away from me. I'm going to give you the law here. I'm going to give you some kind of design for life. It's probably the best way to put it. Here's how I want you to live. And he says, and he said that I will give that to you. And so you know how to live your lives out. And when we come to Pentecost, Pentecost is the Greek 50, Penta, Pentagon, five sides, you know, 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit comes. The significance is when Luke writes this in Acts 2, 1, he says that on the day the that Pentecost arrived. He was a very deliberate writer. It says on the day that Pentecost arrived, this happened. And at the first time, this is the fulfillment of both, both the Feast of Weeks and of the giving of the law. Because he says on the Feast of Weeks, you bring the first fruits of the harvest to me and, I, and you present them before me. This is the first fruits of the harvest that God has for the people for his people. This is when the time when the Holy Spirit breaks out and they end up preaching the gospel to thousands of people. And on that day, it says 3000 were added to their number. So it's a sign that the feast of weeks is coming about in a different way in people rather than physical harvest. But it's also the time when the law is given. It's a time when Romans 8.2 says that we are no longer slaves to the law of sin and death, but we are living by the law of the spirit of life. Amen. That actually at Pentecost, God reordered and redesigned the way that we are called to live. Amen. That no, we're no longer called to live by rules, regulations. We are designed to live by the law of the spirit of life. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. Where the spirit is, there is love. Where the spirit is, there is abundance. God is redesigning the way that we are called to live our lives. And I, I, I seem to, I don't know if you agree, and if you can recognize this in your life, I seem to, even though I know I live under grace and I know that Jesus died for me and the spirit is living in me so that I can live in a way of love and peace and abundance and relationship with God, I seem to create laws for myself that I need to adhere to because the rest of our life is almost dominated by rules. You know, okay, if you want to, like Ash, if you want to get big and cut, and we've been talking about this a little bit, if you want to like put on weight and get muscly and all that sort of stuff, so you can stand on the beach and flex and all that sort of stuff, if you want to do that, then there's certain things you have to do. You've got to eat right, you've got to sleep right, and you've got to lift the right weights, right? If you want to get promoted in work, what do you have to do? You've got to work hard. You've got to be switched on every single day. Uh, and you've got to like bring your best every single day to get promoted in work. Unless you're like Richard, as you said before in your preach last week, that you got a job too early that you weren't really qualified for, which would be amazing for some of us. It's good. It's good. Okay, there's all these rules and laws and the world is run by them. But actually this law of the spirit of life is not that he brings more rules and regulations, it's actually that he takes over 
and he brings freedom from rules and regulations. I love that in Acts 2, the disciples are in the upper room and they are praying to God and they are calling out on God. We guess they are calling out on God anyway. I imagine they are. They're not just sort of sitting down and sort of waiting for something to happen. That they're praying and that they're calling on God. But when he turns up, what happens? He changes everything straight away because he breaks in and takes over. My prayer, if I can be as bold as to say this, having only been in this church for a year, my prayer for us as a community is that we would be a church that prays and worships and preaches the word. And when God shows up, everything falls away. And we just want to be with him. And we just want to enjoy him and let him do whatever he wants. Just imagine the disciples or this 120 people that were gathered in this room, because it wasn't just the apostles there. There were the apostles, the 11 plus one that they just added in some weird way by drawing lots. I don't know how that works. And there's 12 of them. And then there's all these, these women here that follow Jesus and many others. And they get together and imagine if the Holy Spirit falls and they're like, no, it'll be all right, thanks. We don't want this. We will carry on doing what we're doing. We're going to carry on praising and calling out to God and all this sort of stuff. And they said, no, we don't want the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we did that as a church. That wouldn't quite work, would it? It wouldn't make me feel very comfortable. I want us to be a community where we are open to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, whether he wants to bring healing, whether he wants to uh, challenge us, says the Holy Spirit convicts as part of the work of the Holy Spirit, that he works in our lives to convict us of sin. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, but he just works in our lives to do that, that let the Holy Spirit have free reign to do whatever he wants to do. There's, there was one time that I regret probably more than any other time in ministry that I've had. We had, an, um, we had a, a conference in, in Dubai, at the church there. And this guy came over from, from the US, he was a Canadian guy, and he was preaching, very prophetic guy, and it was really, really good. You know, he wasn't one of those kind of shouty, he's not a shouty preacher, he would just share what God had on his heart. And at one point, I sensed just this weight of the Holy Spirit just fall on me, but just in the room, almost like the thick cloud that fills the temple scripture talks about, right? And I look over and the pastor who leads the church is here and he's slumped over in his chair. No dramatics, no hysterics, no nothing. He just recognizes that God, God's presence has completely fallen. And the guy who's preaching, he just stops mid-sentence. He says, I feel like I just need to stop right now. I feel like I need to let God do what he wants to do. And he didn't say anything for like five, 10 minutes. And like silence goes on and it gets long very quickly but he just let the Holy Spirit fall. And it got to the point where I was kind of hosting and kind of coordinating stuff and we had to decide were we gonna carry on in that moment or were we gonna 
carry on with our schedule. And I chose to carry on with our schedule. And I've never regretted it so much. Because when the Holy Spirit falls, everything else has to be swept away. And you have to come to him and say, I'm here. I've got open hands and open arms. And I just want to be filled by you. And that's it. And that's all I want for my life is to be filled by you and to know you deeper and for you to live in me and speak through me. Can, we, can you just close your eyes where you are right now? And if you're comfortable with no direction or anything, just put your hands out in front of you. And I'm just going to pray for us. God speaking to you to stay in the place you know it's up to him he, he's got to take over there are some things that um, some real application for us that I want us to be able to take away this morning um, and I've got I think there are five things I've got five things that I want us to take away with us this morning and the first thing the first thing is that and it's a really simple point, but it must be emphasized because I feel in Western culture, it may be different in your culture where you come from. You can speak to that better, but in Western culture, we've lost the heart and the desire to be empowered. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did when he came. He came and he empowered people. There's this, I, I, I really like the Matrix movies. I don't know if anyone really likes the Matrix movies. I know Tish just hates them. Emmanuel, thank you. LA, great. Some people like the Matrix movies. There's this amazing point, I think, in the first one where actually her name is Trinity. And she stands on top of this building and she sees this helicopter that she needs to fly. And she phones back and says, I need to be able to fly, la la la, helicopter. And then you see her screen, the guy in the Matrix uploads it and she kind of, her eyes roll back in her head like this. And now she's able to fly the helicopter. How amazing would it be to have that sort of skill? <laughs> Want to learn Portuguese? Okay, now I can speak Portuguese, you know? Yeah, exactly. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't necessarily download the skills to us. But what he does do is provide the power for us to be able to do things that we've never done before. And it may be that God wants to empower you this morning to go out and preach in another language, in another place. It may be that he just wants to empower you to be able to speak to the person next to you in the, in the cubicle at work or that supplier who you've got a good relationship with or the client that you are working with and have been for a long time. Maybe he just wants to empower you to do that. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in power. Amen. And we can't, as a church, shy away from that. We can't say, okay, I've been taught through my whole life that the Holy Spirit actually doesn't work like this and doesn't work like that and doesn't work like this. The Holy Spirit is God. I will not say to Yahweh or to Jesus, you are not able to do this. So how dare I, how dare I say that to the Holy Spirit? I can't say that to the Holy Spirit. You can't do this because he is God. 
a, a, a friend of mine says, says that the Holy Spirit is not the butler of heaven. He's not the one that Jesus says, go do that for me, go do that for me. And, you know, they just sit there. He is God. He is fully and completely God. And he is able to do far more than we could ask or imagine. The Holy Spirit at work in us. And there's an empowerment of God. Just as the fire, I think, is an amazing image when the fire comes on the disciples. And, it, and it is, the scripture says in Acts 2, it says that it separates and lands on them, on their heads. And it's like, it looks like tongues of fire, but it doesn't burn their heads, obviously. Right? It's exactly the same fire that came to Moses in the burning bush. It was a fire that was there and physical. You could see it, but it did not burn the bush. That is the same fire that commissioned Moses to go. This fire that appeared at Pentecost is the same fire that commissioned and empowered the disciples to go out. And he wants to, as I said, revive. He wants to set your heart alight this morning. I'm not expecting tongues of fire to separate in this room at this very moment it would be amazing if it did but i'm not expecting it but what i am asking is that he would put fire in your hearts and in your belly to do things okay so one is the empowerment of god the other is the unity that the holy spirit brings there's this story in the old testament of the tower of babel has anyone read that story yeah, the Tower of Babel is probably one of the hardest ones to understand. I will summarize it. I will summarize it. The, the, the people on earth gather together and they decide that they want to make a name for themselves, that they want to build a tower and a city to make them look outstanding and almost to be closer to God. And God sees this and he says, I do not want my people that I've created to do that. So he comes down to them and he disperses them. He confuses their language and he disperses them as in he sends them out to all different parts. And they were afraid that that very thing would happen, but God goes ahead and does it. They didn't want to be sent out and dispersed. At Pentecost, that is completely reversed. So instead of having a God coming down saying no, confusing and dispersing God comes down in the Holy Spirit and he brings unity of languages not necessarily that they would all speak the same language but that understanding was brought by the Holy Spirit from one language to another and actually he comes in such power that he doesn't say disperse he says be unified but he gives them such a heart not to build a name for themselves but to build a name for Jesus, that they are willing to be dispersed, that they are willing to go to the ends of the earth, that they are willing to do that. It is not an independent spirit that says, I want to go to the ends of the earth for Jesus. It is a spirit unified with his spirit that says, I'm willing to go wherever he sends me to go. Whatever he wants me to do, I will do it. I am all in, 100%, and I don't want to be any other way. That is the spirit that works within us. That is a Pentecost 
spirit. The Pentecostals, if there's any Pentecostals in this room, would be waving their hankies like this. Okay? But that's what Pentecost does, gives us that spirit. It's a spirit of unity and togetherness. It is also a spirit of the end times. It is a spirit that shows us that there will be an end to this earth and actually causes us to live with that in mind, that we are called to live as if the end of the earth is coming. Peter says when he stands up in boldness and strength, he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's a signifier that this is it. Interestingly, the first three things that happen to all people in the Bible, creation, Noah's judgment, and the Tower of Babel. At the end of the Bible, they are reversed. The Tower of, ba the, the Tower of Babel is corrected when the Holy Spirit comes. Then you have the judgment of God when Jesus comes, and in the end, a new heaven and a new earth will be created. Pentecost speaks of the end of times when we will be joined with him again. And the most important one, the one that I want us to understand here, is that it's for everyone. It is for everyone. And when Peter preaches and when Peter speaks, he speaks with such clarity of this prophecy in Joel where it says, I will pour my spirit out on all peoples. He says that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I don't know why the old men get to dream dreams. I think that's probably because they sleep more. Maybe just get a little bit dozy. Not looking at anyone again. Um, so when they, they get a little bit, I don't know, but they get to dream dreams. And it says, even on my male and my female servants, I will pour out my spirit. I'd always missed the my, even on my male and female servants. I always thought it was, I'd always read it as that even on male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit. But he says, my male and female spirits. There's a, there's a number of commentators when you read commentaries from the older ones, when they say actually the Holy Spirit was only poured out on the disciples and the apostles, that it was for them. My question is, why would Peter then stand up and say it will be poured out on all people, young, old, male, female, and there were females present at Pentecost in that upper room who received the Holy Spirit and the tongues of fire just as much as the apostles. If it hadn't been everyone, then Peter might as well have just stood up and said, this is the spirit poured out just as it always has been poured out throughout all ages on Caleb and on Joshua or on Moses and, and, and in Psalms on David and all these sort of things. You should have said just, this is the spirit poured out just as it always has been on the special people. No, he says, this is the spirit poured out on all flesh. That is you and me, whether we feel like it or whether we don't. That is the spirit available for you that you might receive it and that you might be empowered by it and i cannot emphasize this enough it is for you and it is for us as a church because the last thing the holy spirit does is it brings a quickening i'm looking at the time i'm going to be quick 
it brings a quickening. Quickening is like an old English phrase for those of you that haven't heard it. It's in the King James version of the Bible sometimes. And it's translated in the newer versions as the spirit gives life. He quickens. When Jesus in, in, in Acts 1, uh, 8, he says that I will empower you, spirit of power to, to evangelize and speak to those in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, who is gathered at Pentecost? It is those from Jerusalem, where they are, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. What looks like would take years with the Holy Spirit takes 10 days to come about that at that point they then speak. For us, and I felt this as I was preparing, for us as a church, we need to remember that where the Holy Spirit is, there is quickening. There is something that the Spirit breathes life into what we're doing. And I'm not just talking about you as an individual, I'm talking about us together, that the Spirit brings life, that it quickens, that what would take seven months takes seven weeks, what would take seven weeks takes seven days, seven days, seven hours, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a quickening. And I want that for us as a church. And we're praying for a community center, a home, a place that we would be able to meet midweek to pray and to change a community. We pray for that, but most of all, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a quickening and he'll quicken you into God's purposes, not your own ideas. Yeah? Amen?